everyone agrees, bacon makes everything better. Even marketing. This is the Bacon Podcast, where you'll learn to cure your marketing. And make your business. I can't believe I said that. Internet marketing. Online marketing. Social media tips and techniques. Now, to help you bring more bacon home, the master of marketing sizzle, Brian Basilico. This is the Bacon Podcast. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Brian Basilico, and this is the podcast where you learn to make your business sizzle online. So are you ready to fry up some new business? Hey, peeps. I am uber excited. I have an incredible guest today. Her name is Michelle Filichikia, and she does training. So we're going to be talking about why it's important in this new business environment to look at training and investing in your people. So, Michelle, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. So, what I like to do when we get started, before we get into the uh, the meat of the issue, is talk about your past and, and what kind of jobs and give your origin story of, of why you are where you are. So, the first job you had was working at a Kentucky Fried Chicken with 11 herbs and spices. And how did you go from that to teaching companies how to build recipes that grow their business? Well, first of all, um, I learned some great things at Kentucky Fried Chicken. And one is how to tell the difference between a thigh and a breast. And I still know that today. (laughs) And uh, the other thing I learned is that early on is that uh, do not complain to the manager about an employee who happens to be the granddaughter. So from early on, um, I've learned some phenomenal lessons. And prior to that too, um, I'll give kudos to my dad, um, Tom Diener from Indiana. And uh, we, I grew up in a a family owned business and um, I learned number one, how to be honest from the day one and also to, to focus on service and um, bring your best every day and put a smile in your voice. That was really key to dad. And, um, and what's interesting about that is that Diener means to serve. So from an origin point of view, service and servanthood has been uh, part of my DNA. And it is today and it will always be. So I'm thankful for that. See, that's amazing. My dad, and I didn't realize this until I was older, is my dad had teaching in his blood. Mm. And that is what I consider to be one of my superpowers because he worked for AT&T at their corporate training center, developing teaching and training and things and like that. So this is a subject that is like near and dear to my heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in, in today's business environment, I mean, we're in a unique position. I mean, you know, eight months, 10 months ago, we were all working out of the office. Now people are scattered everywhere. And I think we're going to be stuck. You did this really great post about Zoomies, meaning, you know, we're all stuck in Zoom meetings. And it's really kind of changed the dynamic of business and how it's being done. But one of the other things that I think that has to happen is we need to, you know, we're, we're not standing over people. We're not going cubicle to cubicle or having them knock on our door. We're managing people remotely. So why is training important now? What is it about it that maybe businesses aren't thinking about? Well, I, I think training, when you think about training, you think about something you're going to give people or you're going to teach them something. And I think 
we really need to look at it not only in that context, but in the context of talent. And how are we going to make sure that our employees, number one, they don't that they feel engaged, that they feel like they're part of the team. Um, how do we help them not feel isolated? How do we help them with work-life balance? Um, and be aware of it. And I think we got so used to being in an office setting where, you know, we could go cubicle to cubicle and have a conversation. And but nowadays that doesn't happen. So we I think we rely too much on Zoom um, to think that we're engaging people when we're not. And so from a training perspective, I think more of from a development perspective and a team perspective, how do we make sure that our employees know that number one, we care about them, number two, that they're given the support and the tools that they need to be successful, and number three, it's okay to ask for help. And it's okay to be transparent and realize that this is difficult. I have talked to more people lately who say, I'm isolated. I'm struggling with this. And you also think about, you know, people who are having to juggle kids at home and at school and and all of that. It's just overwhelming. So I think you're seeing a lot of that. So from a training perspective, I look at it more as a, a point to be collaborative, a point to be caring, a point to say, I'm here for you and we'll get you what you need. So I I think that's that's my main point to that. And to be aware that Zoom is not the only answer. Just because you have a Zoom meeting doesn't mean people are connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways to do it. Some people like to text, some people like to call, some people like to email. I mean, you know, you've got to look at the person and where they're at. And, and you know, again, Zoom and these things are a tool. And And you brought me back to a place. I mean, I remember when I was a little kid. and one of the things that I was really bad at, and I I didn't realize this until I was older, is I had DDA. And it's a joke, but it's not. DDA is ADD and dyslexia. <laughs> so, oh, no. um, and the reason I say that is because, you know, I've written five books I can't read, you know, and it was painful yeah. when my dad would come home from work, sit me down literally on his lap, and he had this thing, it was a reading machine. And this was way back in the 60s. And what it had was scrolls of paper. And it would slowly, you know, make the paper scroll down. You had to read what was in the middle of it. And it would speed it up and slow it down. And it was so painful. And I hated it at the time. But now I understand what he was doing. He was at least getting my brain engaged in a way that I could understand how to read. Even though I don't like to do it now. I like listening to audiobooks. But at least... You know, he he invested in me. And that's one of the things that I think I took away from that lesson is, you know, he invested in me, so I need to invest in me. You know, I constantly have coaches and I, I go to programs and I invest in training for myself. So why is it important for a business owner to look at their people and invest in them? What What's the difference? What's it going to do? Oh my gosh. I mean, there's so many benefits, but you said something that really spoke to me, Brian, and that is we need to treat people as individuals. And not everybody learns the same. Not everybody's motivated the same. Not everybody has the same problems and challenges. So we need to really get down to building those relationships and making sure that we know what what their needs are. We also know what their motivations are, what they want to do with their life. And how do we, as leaders, 
managers help them get to where they want to be. Because when they are successful, um, we as a business collective are successful. If we don't do this, you're going to see more and more people going, I don't have the time. I don't have the patience. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm leaving. You know, if they don't feel cared for, you're going to lose good people. And when you lose good people, you lose a lot of money in time, in terms of time and effort and uh, their intellect, what they know, their tribal knowledge. We can't afford to lose good people. And uh, so they need to know that you have their back and you want to help them grow in areas that are interesting to them and that will truly uh, contribute to their internal drive and motivation. You got to speak their language and be willing to listen and not always talk and have the answers. So what you're really talking about is emotional intelligence. It's really, you know, treating every individual as an individual, getting to know their needs and wants, their style, you know, how they learn. Because, uh, you know, again, going back to what we talked about, um, I've learned over the course of the year, there are three different kinds of learners. There's audio learners, there's visual learners, there's tactile learners. And chances are, you know, the people in your organization are going to have a mix of all of those, you know, but each person's going to have a different mix. You know, it's just like taking a disc test or, you know, Myers-Briggs or something like that because, you know, everybody's an individual. So the more that you understand that individual, the easier it is to help them become successful, which leads me to the next piece, which is, you know, so now we've got everybody remotely, you know, of course, we're getting on Zoom meetings and doing sales meetings and those kind of things. So you're missing some of the body language, you're missing some of the other things. But if somebody's going to try to deliver training or, or, you know, work with their team, you know, now all of a sudden, we're going from being a sales manager or CEO or CMO or something like that to a trainer. Is that a good idea? Um, no. <laughs> and why? <laughs> Absolutely not. Because here's the thing. The, the good news is that you know your business. The bad news is you don't know how to train. And you can learn that. That's a skill. But there's also a talent in that. And um, so keep, keep what you do good. And that is stay with, within your lane and, and um, manage people, lead people. But when it comes to training... It's a different language. And what most people think that, oh, well, if I just stand up there and I deliver and I present, that's training. That is absolutely false. When you take, when you go down that road, it's a one-way street. Training, or I like to really call it as facilitation, is you're facilitating learning. You're facilitating the process of buying into the content and buying into, more importantly, the skill and the application of that skill. And so you really need to have that skill set and that passion and that ability to pull that learner into the fold so that they are they they want to do this. They see the vision and they want to apply what you're teaching them. Mm-hmm. That's molding and growing people. Yeah, I love that. And we don't have time for all 11 herbs and spices. <laughs> yeah. But what I'd like to do <laughs> is kind of Pick some of the top three things that are really important in training or facilitation or what would, what would be the three things that 
you know, might be missing if somebody who, who runs their business. And again, you know, the thing I think that's really important here is getting buy-in, getting people to understand the why. And a lot of times, you know, it, it, as a business owner, you're basically just trying to, and I, I hate to put it this way, but you're trying to shove change down people's throat as opposed to getting them to buy into a different way of performing, a different way of thinking. So what would be the three secret ingredients that you would say that, you know, good training, good facilitation does that maybe somebody could recognize or maybe even implement themselves? Mm, uh, Great question. And I have a very simple answer. And the simple answer is the three A's. Um, First A is ask. Stop talking so much and make sure that you have great questions that engage the learner, uh, the engage the employee so that they can, we're dealing with um, adult learners here. And uh, the key to that is to get them to engage with their ideas, with their experience, with their knowledge. And that's when the value and the excitement takes place is when they know, when they know that they can be an active participator and also people want to hear from them. So that, that, that's number one. Number two is activities. You've got to uh, have some fun activities, uh, maybe some games, maybe some competition, um, just something to uh, get their brain working, give them activities to go and do something on the computer, but get them and also do it in smaller groups. Um, and, and, you know, when you, you think about the tools out there, we have a plethora of tools like with Zoom and Google Hangout and all those other WebEx. So utilize the tools within the tool to engage people. One of the greatest ones with Zoom is the breakouts, you know, keep people, keep groups small so that they can talk and communicate. The second, the third A is take action. Always, always, what are you going to do with this information? I care less about what you know. I care more about what you'll do. How will this change your behavior? How will this um, make you better at what you do and give you more energy and excitement and motivation? So the three A's. I love that. That is fantastic. Um, And it's easy to remember. Triple A. Let's take a road trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just don't get a flat tire breakdown in the process. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it is insurance. But so I guess the last question I have for you is, okay, so now we've got AAA. We've got insurance. We've got investment. We're working with people. We're, we're learning to teach them in a way that's going to get them engaged. How does somebody, after they've done training, measure success? I mean, what does success look like after they've completed, you know, whatever learning lessons they have? How do we put in measurements for that? Uh, Brian, that's a phenomenal question. Um, One that it it really often depends, but I heard this um, colleague of mine say, the best way to measure success is to ask your client how they want to measure success. And so I, I certainly have a lot of tools, uh, you know, evaluation methods, and you can get into ROI, and you can get level five um, evaluation methods. Um, but the, the real point is, is that you always have to be at a point of saying, how are we doing? Is this working? So it's not a one and done. Now, oftentimes when you do training, um, People want a quick fix. Well, 
behavior change is not a quick fix, but it's a long-term gain that the more you do it, the more you put energy into it, you'll see the results. So for example, I'm working with a, a company, their wood flooring company, and I've been working with the uh, the owner and um, a couple of the salespeople. And um, we are seeing, even in the midst of, of uh, the pandemic, uh, their sales are growing. Now, can you just say that is all because of the work we're doing? No, but I will tell you this, that they're laying the ground, uh, they're laying the foundation with good processes and tools. They're also, I can tell you that they are now able to communicate better than they ever have. Now, when you ask the client, what will he say that is um, successful? It's that, you know, it's the stuff that weighs you down. And so it really depends. But the point is, you always have to know what's the end game. How are you going to define success? And that's what you drive to. Yeah. So, and again, it goes back to what you were talking about before, asking questions. Exactly. Ask the person that you're doing the training for. And I think you have to ask the the people getting the training. Yeah. It's like, what does success look like to you so that you can make sure that you measure based on what the feedback is? So, and it, it's not always because most people go for the jugulars, like, I want to see my bottom line go up. You know, it's like, yeah, we will all want to see the bottom line go up. But as you said, you know, most of this is a long term game. And this is something that you have to invest in. I mean, you don't just, you know, I mean, you can do one of two things. You can go, you know, to the casino. And I heard a story about a guy who had to go to the casino to make payroll. <laughs> it's like, yeah. the question is, did he win, you know? Or, you know, you could put it into the stock market, into a diversified 401k and let it sit there and slowly grow. And, you know, yeah. the, the thing is, is there's, you know, it's risk reward. So, you know, you have to invest in the long term. So this has been fantastic. And I think that, you know, obviously there's a lot more to learn about this. So if people wanted to get to know you and maybe learn a little bit more through your blogs or, or other things that you've done, how do they get a hold of you? What's the best way to do that? Sure. Um, great ways to do that is, is uh, check out my website. Uh, brand new website at uh, rtbperformance.com. That's raisingthebarperformance.com. Um, I can also be found on LinkedIn and, and I will spell my last name. I will sing it actually. Uh, F-I-L-I-C-I-C-C-H-I-A. So check me out there. Um, going back to the website, uh, I have a uh, uh, just compiled some really cool blogs. Um, so feel free to check those out. Awesome. Yeah. And if they follow you on LinkedIn, they can find all that stuff too. Well, I can say for a fact, I know you, you don't run a Mickey Mouse operation. There's no question about it, but I love the way that your name rhymes with that song. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. So Michelle, this has been a blast. It's Thank been fun. You. It's been very informative. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and my audience about this great stuff. You dropped some sizzling hot bacon knowledge bombs on my peeps and I greatly appreciate you. Oh, thanks, Brian. Loved it. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it for today's Bacon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something today. If you did, please go to iTunes and give us a review. We appreciate all your feedback and comments. If you have any questions, go to www.baconpodcast.com forward slash questions, and we'll make sure we get those answered for you. Till next time, keep sizzling.